When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Off Tackle Empire, Ryan Day looks to give fellow pandemic warrior Scott Frost a good clean warrior's death. Also, there's definitely a dumb upset somewhere in this pile of non-competitive on paper games, but good luck telling us what it is. Today on Off Tackle Empire. Your source for big and cog, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, official podcast of Off Tackle Empire. We're the blog and or podcast and or multimedia conglomerate that has yet to pivot to video, which of course pivot to video is a synonym for euthanasia uh, in reality. Uh, we're still chugging along. In sports media, yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. Horse broke his leg, so I uh, took him out back and pivoted to video. You know, I've been... Uh, Grinding a lot of tape, as, as of course we do in the serious sports blogging industry. Uh, not of football, but of other bloggers in various media. And I've found that a lot of them like to start off with anecdotes from their own lives to help their listeners relate to them. We don't really do that very much because we're sports wonks and we can't get through a recap of seven games in less than an hour and 20 minutes anyway. And he's Andrew Chesky, and I'm Steve Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am going to share this story, though. <clears throat> a couple weekends ago now, I attended a gig at a Moose Lodge that you were playing in because uh, the band's horn section rocked ass in substantial part because you were there. And you had mentioned to me beforehand that in the rehearsal, the veterans of the band kind of noted without directly saying what they were getting at that, oh, yeah, horn section sounds really good tonight. And they're kind of like looking at you like the new play, like, we have, we have maybe... You know, upgraded here, not naming any names or anything, even though you were the only different one. And so it's very obvious what they were talking about. And I say that because last week elsewhere in college football outside the Big Ten, as we always sort of begin our preview episode, Bowling Green uh, offensive coordinator Scott Loeffler, who, yes, is being paid to be an offensive coordinator in the year 2021, was ejected from a game after unsports after two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties I believe I saw a line somewhere that said he's the first coach to ever be ejected under that rule. Wow! Yeah, and and think of some of the coaches in college football. And then well, remember the time that Matt Campbell psychotically stalked the ref down the <laughs> sideline the whole Big Twelve championship, going you and he, you and that guy didn't get thrown out. So imagine the what what Waffler must have said to get booed. Because the other thing is. Offensive coordinators usually coach from the booth. Uh, but after he got ejected from the game, there were 18 minutes left of game time, and Bowling Green scored more points in those 18 minutes than they had in any full game over the previous two seasons. That game also had one of the funniest things I've ever seen, which was that their quarterback 
tried to take a kneel down, but then he saw daylight before he got the <laughs> knee down. He saw daylight and ran 50 yards for a touchdown. I've never seen somebody score on a kneel down before. <laughs> we see the fake kneel down from Braun, but that's a, like that's a different kind of thing. Like that's a, that's you go and then throw a pass when they're not expecting it in a competitive game situation. This is very different. Um, I don't know what compelled him to do this. <laughs> Just I, you know, if your coach gets thrown out for being that unsportsmanlike, perhaps his unsportsmanlike teaching has rubbed off on you. That's about all I can infer. Well, I'll never forget that Scott Loeffler was involved in the Wake Forest Virginia Tech 0-0 game. Yeah, and he's still coaching offense after that. Speaking of offense, the Dave Clawson death machine keeps rolling, even though it now has a Heisman contender playing for a different team. Every team that Kenneth Walker <clears throat> has played on since 2019 is currently 8-0. If the Detroit Lions don't trade all their picks in a Ricky Williams-style, you know, Mike Ditka bid to acquire Kenny Walker, it means they don't want to win a Super Bowl. And they yeah, you know fans. who's the opposite of 8-0? Same old lager. Here is Eastern Market Brewing <laughs> Company's same old lager. Which, of course, everybody knows the acronym SOL. It means something different out here in Detroit. God, I don't know how... I. I don't know how many times they've Forty-four to this. six against the 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 previously two Eagles. and five Eagles. I don't know how Lions fans do it, man, and I don't know how many times I say that and how many different ways. Truly, it is, it is the it is the it is the belief the the thought that I have that is both, both, perennial and and, and, and unique. You know, like it, it's I just, don't know how they do it, and I just drove eight hundred miles round trip to watch Illinois lose to Rutgers <laughs> at home. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, the same old lager yeah but you know anyway. what it is the same old lager and people love it regardless yeah and of but course, they also and of, course of course they're sprinting towards an 0-17 season in the very uh, first opportunity to go 0-17 the they are seizing yeah. by the horns yeah the first time that it's even possible they're gonna they're gonna make a very real bid for it and it's then pretty good and also they're doing it in probably the first year in a decade Probably since probably the weakest quarterback draft since the EJ Manual here. Um, as loggers go, that's I'll take fantastic. That. But actually. that being that being said, though, if you are going to take a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft this year, people's champion Kenny Pickett is a good choice. Even though, of course, as we all expected, Pat Narduzzi's defense has failed him yet again in a loss to noted extremely good resume win, Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Wazoo has sprung the upset in Tempe as a 16.5 point dog because Nick Rolovich never had all that much to do with their success this year, apparently. Turns out. Um, Louisiana, that would be the, we're not allowed to say Louisiana Lafayette anymore, I guess. They are now one bad loss away from being a dark horse New Year's Six candidate. You're going to hear Billy Napier's name come up in just about every coaching rumor, I would guess. As you have for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah. Speaking of those... Dark Horse New Year's Six candidate. Down goes undefeated SMU. Tanner Mordecai didn't quite have what it took to get over Houston's surprisingly good Dana Holgerson defense. He's still there. Clayton Toon is still going on. Yeah, well, uh, it also helped that Marcus Jones had his fourth return touchdown of the year. Yep, I was actually watching that one. They went and tied up the game, did SMU, with 13 seconds to go with a field goal, and then... They kicked it right to a guy that already had three return touchdowns on the year. Yeah, man, I don't know. And he took it all. He housed it. Yeah. Um, it is rumored as, that 
Sonny Dykes is now going to be the next guy at TCU. Kind of an interesting angle. Which, by the way, Gary Patterson is no longer the guy at TCU. Yeah, and uh, the only thing that, in my mind, would derail Sonny Dykes from being a perfect hire, both because he's a qualified coach who's done extremely well only in the state of Texas, and because it means stealing a coach from your former conference rival who you still play a trophy game for, that probably doesn't happen very often, by the way. A coach going Ooh, from one yeah. side of a trophy game to the other. The only interfering factor there is that who's lurking as the former associate, now interim head coach at TCU? But one Jerry Kill, the the coach vampire who found his way into yet another head coach heading for an end, except this time it actually happened while he was still there. Absolutely no way has nobody made the uh, Grim Reaper knocking on successive doors meme with Jerry Kill. Kill. I mean, because he goes somewhere and he waits for, he goes somewhere where he knows the head coach is on the outs. I I don't understand at this point how any sitting head coach lets him into their building, let alone hires him. Like, I just... I guess because if, like, it's like a vampire thing where, like, if, if you let, if you, like, agree to meet with him, then that means you've also verbally agreed to let him have a job on your coaching staff. And it's like, oh, shit, now he can come into now my house. Now he can come in wherever he wants. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, this coaching carousel is, did you ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yeah. Sometimes when the carousel would break down, it would start going super fast. So the music would go... So that's what's going on with... The coaching carousel right now, I mean, oh my god. <laughs> That's the second straight team that Kansas State has beaten and <laughs> that decided, head coach fired. That decided we have to fire our coach. <laughs> Green Bay Packers did this a while back. It was amazing. <laughs> um, Iowa State goes down to Oklahoma State, meaning that their sort of resurgence and re-entrance into the conference race is over. Probably strike Matt Campbell off of wait, the hot list. Wait, Iowa State went down to whom? I thought they played Oklahoma State. Am I wrong about that? Well, they beat Oklahoma State. I, d- I don't know. The previous man. week, where where did where did they lose? Oh, they lost uh, West Virginia. It was West Virginia. Yeah, they beat Oklahoma State the prior week. Yeah, all right. They well. lost at unranked West Virginia. Um, in what was well, I mean, the score doesn't really indicate it because they 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 did fall back on old Big Twelve habits and start throwing the ball. Yeah, but. The Big 12 is morphing into an ersatz Big 10 of sorts. Outside of Oklahoma, who's just, you know, continuing to, especially now they found Caleb Williams, who's continuing to rack up points and not play defense and just, just not care what anybody else is doing. They're just, they're just Oklahoma, as usual. But meanwhile, you know how they always say, like, this player and the that team take on this player and the that team. Yeah. It's, it's going to be running backs in the Big 12. Like, Many of these Big 12 teams are a running back getting 30 carries and a defense. So you got Bijan Robinson and the Texas Longhorns take on Brees Hall and the Iowa State Cyclones. That's another one. Uh, Oklahoma State has a good defense and likes to run the ball. Baylor throws a little bit more but is mostly built on a on a defense. West Virginia is Letty Brown and a functionally good defense. Um, Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn, good enough defense. Uh, there are more Big Ten teams in the Big 12 than there are Big 12 teams because all the Big 12 teams are in the ACC. <laughs> uh, of course, again, Oklahoma, like Oklahoma, Clemson is still there just playing very good defense and kind of basically being old Alabama, <laughs> right? So really, Clemson and Oklahoma should switch 
at this point because Oklahoma is more at home in the ACC. UNC, I, again, Virginia, Wake Forest, Louisville, shit, even Miami and Pitt you, to an extent. Keep, keep seeing this name, Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> you yeah. got boxes full of Pepe. No, I, I was looking on SP Plus, backs me up. UNC, Virginia, and uh, I think Wake Forest all have top 10 offenses and bottom half defenses. Uh, there have been, like, ACC shootouts that have been predicted have pretty much all come to fruition. Uh, speaking of which, BYU-UVA was 42-38 to 38 at the half. Yeah, excuse me for still assuming that BYU might play some shade of defense and that Bryce Arm- or Brian Armstrong wasn't the the obvious quarterback play. God, I'm so bad well, at that this year. What he did was they just played a bit of a stalemate in the third quarter, and then he broke the all-time single-season passing yards record for Virginia. With a month left to play. <laughs> uh, well, not for him. Uh, he then tried to. He then picked up a third down on uh, third and three, and crushed his ribs. It was it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen because like. He didn't look like he was hurting. I'm sure he then felt it later. I'm sure it was just adrenaline, but he just kept looking on the sidelines, just like shaking his head, pointing to his ribs, going, it's broke, it's broke. Just just shaking his head, just like, it's broke. Like like, like, like he was a racing driver, right? <laughs> Talking about like, no, man, the front end, the left front's just killed, man. I can't, I don't know. We're going to, I don't know if we're going to have to go behind the wall here. No, he's just looking at the sidelines, shaking his head. It's broke. Just, 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 I mean, that really sucks for him, though. He's been incredible to watch. They got uh, a bye. I wouldn't rule out that they're going to make him play again. Yeah. Get a flak jacket on him. Get him in there. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they were talking about during the Penn State, again, during the Penn State, Iowa, or Ohio State game, uh, that I don't, I don't know if it was within the football program or if they had commissioned like the engineering department to do this. But they had 3D printed a custom flak jacket molded to Clifford's body. And of course, my mind instantly went to the enchanting and crafting mechanics in Skyrim. And so I assume Virginia is going to do something different. I don't claim to be the best resin smith in state college. <laughs> Franklin Baldmain gets that honor. <laughs> All I ask is a fair chance. <laughs> All right, so... We got a lot of business to conduct here, so we may as well get into it. Um, yet another week where the choices of the broadcast networks for which games go where are indecipherable and truly eldritch in, in origin. I don't know how they pick these games in these time slots. Ohio State at Nebraska kicks off a noon slate in what could be either the final nail in Scott Frost's coffin or a hilarious revitalization of... I'm just kidding. He's not going to win. No, but... I mean, it'll be yet another thing where how can you hold it against him because they only lost by one score. Yeah, they're, they're right. after controlling right. the game the whole second half. You know what? I'm I'm curious here. Let's see. They're a top twenty-five SP plus team. They held the number two offense in the nation at twenty-three points. Although it was before they realized they had a better quarterback than the one they started. The, Nebraska is in prime position right now to absolutely like. Nebraska fans don't think they can get hurt anymore. They really don't. They're going into this game saying, look, man, I, I at least know, like, I'm just not even going to care. I'm not even going to... I know. I've been there before. I've been there a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. No. They're going in there thinking, well, but at least my expectations are so low, I won't be hurt. No. Don't even watch. Don't pay any attention to the game because 
they're not going to roll over and die. They're going to control the game, and then they're going to lose anyway. Yeah, it's a, the the line is opened at Ohio. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they will. The line opened at Ohio State, giving fifteen points. I would hammer yeah those points. Not that Nebraska is a better team or will win, but because they will keep it close and then lose anyway. Or they'll get. Or it's either going to be it's either going to be like a four point win or a forty point win. Like there's no in between here. It's I don't think you're going to be sweating whether Ohio State covers or not. Well, of course, if Nebraska wins, then it'll be roughly to the tune of like forty nine nothing. So that'll also be fun. Yeah, well, because right when Ohio State loses, speaking of roughly forty nine nothing or something, Illinois at Minnesota. Could this be the most complete team the Illini have faced? I think so. Um, run me through Illinois' total schedule so far. No, because you played UTSA. UTSA, yeah, UTSA. <laughs> I'm, that's I'm true. not even being facetious. No, that's absolutely true. UTSA did have they had a versatile. Well, they had a better passing game than Minnesota, but I don't think they were as good at running the ball. Well, they should have. I mean, I think you devoted enough attention. Yeah, to we that, keyed that in on in sincere in your but matchup. They weren't. They actually have been throwing the ball more than I thought they would. Uh, of course, you know, big-time UTSA person here. Um, and, no, I mean, I don't... I mean, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, one of those games... Like, I'm almost thinking that Illinois is kind of like... Brett Illinois is kind of like a, a, a shitty version of Mark Burley's pitching career for the White Sox, where it's like, all right... The one thing you can count on is you're going to get out of the ballpark in under three hours. He's got other places to be. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna pitch to contact and mostly make outs. I'd put the over under on total game length here at about a hundred minutes because again, Fleck, another one of the eight Big Ten coaches we counted last week or earlier this week, who, if given their preference, would be out of the stadium within three hours of kickoff. Um, how many total pass attempts in this game? Like like thirty. I'm curious what you expect in terms of an effort and a, and a sharpness from Illinois because Penn State, I think we agree, is probably like their a double plus effort. Illinois is probably something closer to normal. Maryland and Purdue, I think you you probably didn't get their best. It seems like the, I mean, what do you think you're seeing from Illinois from an effort perspective here? What do they What do they play for at this point, really? I mean. Play to beat the other teams. Uh, honestly, that's what. Mm. If there's anybody that should understand that aspect of the Big Ten, it's Brett Bielema, right? You play because those that's sons what... of bitches feel real good about themselves, <laughs> and they're your neighbor. And, they, they grew up around you. And I'm not allowed to pour beer on his head right now directly, but I can sure play football against him. Okay, yeah, fair, fair you know what? Yeah, yeah. You're a big prick. It's going to be a pleasure beating your ass, right? Now, if there's anybody that should understand what there is to play for, I I, I don't expect them to, to give in at any point this year because they, they really are just, I mean, they're, they're kind of playing to, a lot of these guys are kind of playing to outperform what they were doing. They've got a coach that I think they believe in a lot more than they believed in Lovey Smith, certainly last year. Last year it was difficult to to really do that. And um, so I don't know how much more I expect, though, as far as production, because I really do think they had, they caught Penn State sleeping both emotionally and tactically. I don't yeah. think they're going to have the opportunity to do that to Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's got a defense that is 
in a similar echelon of Rutgers, but they've got a much better offense. I think Illinois is really going to struggle to stop them down to down. I don't think Illinois is going to make them throw it. Um, Illinois couldn't really stop the run when Wisconsin uh, tried to do it. Graham Mertz didn't need to do very much there. Um, and Illinois' defense put up a valiant effort against Wisconsin, but there's still 24 to nothing. I don't know if it'll be quite that bad. I think yeah. we got the opportunity to put up some points, especially if Brandon Peters plays like he did and we call up some of the plays that we dialed up against uh, Rutgers. But I think they're going to roll us. I think it's going to be a boat race. So the line here then opened at 14.5 Minnesota is giving. That sounds about right, I th- but I think it's going to feel like it's not really... I think We're closest, get I do think the closest comparison here is to Wisconsin. I think Minnesota's offense is a little bit better, but their defense is substantially worse. I could see I would guess Illinois probably scores something in the 13, 14, 17 range of points. But I do think as the game goes on and you have trouble sustaining drives that their offense is going to break is going to find the cracks more regularly than Wisconsin did. So yeah, I, I, something along the lines of 31-13 sounds about right. I mean, I am curious. Ryan Walters has done really exemplary work. Uh, SP Plus says that this is our best defense since 2015. In other words, in one year with the same guys, he's already done better than anything Lovey Smith ever did here. Mm. So, you know, low bar is low, but still, uh, that's something. Um, and I just think that Minnesota's too experienced and too poised to make enough mistakes to you know, the whole time against Rutgers, I just kept, God, just one turnover, right? One broken play the whole time in that second half. It's just one turnover, one that won't, and they just never made that mistake. I don't think Minnesota's going to, certainly if, uh, um. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They play like, they're, like their experience dictates they should. Uh, Illinois has won two Big Ten games. Um... And both of them were with more than one week to prepare. Uh, Illinois actually has a second bye week because of the week zero. Yeah. So, I'm curious to see if we come out like... Who do you play after that? It's Iowa. Oh, dear. <laughs> At Iowa. <laughs> Wouldn't... Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think Think it's going to be? The last time it was a barge package, what do you think? It's a Isaiah Williams triple option? <laughs> you, could, you could do worse. You sure don't want to throw against Iowa. Um, <laughs> I don't want to throw against anyone. <laughs> we'll move into the afternoon slate of games here. Uh, Michigan State ranked number five in the country now. Um, be interesting to find out tomorrow if they're in the initial playoff field. Probably not, but their games yeah, their games I, left for that initial ranking won't matter. They'll either lose and be out or win and be in. What I was going to say, basically kind of about Illinois going forward, is that... Well, um, this <laughs> is that I, I kind of expect them to take a step back next year, but they still have a good proof of concept this year. And, of course, I expect them to take a step back next year. You can't expect a coach to just come into a situation where you've got 
kind of a barren roster that wasn't really working out that well and immediately create a number five team in the country. No, well, 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 I can't. I certainly can't expect that. You I, can, but I, can, I can't. I can expect that. Well, <laughs> well, but let's be clear here. I did not expect nor predict this, <laughs> nor, do I, nor do I think anybody outside of the team did. Um, and all that being said, Michigan State as the number five team in the country is giving three points to unranked Purdue on the road in a mid-afternoon game. Has, does Purdue have a record of taking down um, teams in monster upsets where they're not where you know nobody thinks they're going to win? Well, thank God you didn't have uh, any of the undefeateds lose. Right. Yeah. Because if we avoid that two if slot. we if we had settled in the number two, we'd be fucked. I'd be yeah. betting my mortgage on Purdue yeah. money line. God, avoid um, that two slot. <laughs> so Michigan State comes off this highly emotional win in a rivalry game. They obviously always pour a lot of energy into that. It's almost too easy of a game to designate as a letdown, though. Like, and Mel Tucker has done a really good job this year of navigating them from week to week, preventing them from looking ahead. It, it was very helpful, I think, that they had a bye before the Michigan game, so there's it's it's easier to tell them that's what we'll get at that point. We'll see how they deal with this level of success. Like, it, there's been a couple points this year, like after the Miami game, it was, oh, how they deal with success? Reasonably well. I mean, they haven't been dominating anyone really other than the Youngstown State game and to the extent Western Kentucky. But, of course, the interesting thing, statistically, Michigan State has a really bad pass defense. And, again, I've as I've said repeatedly, part of that is a stylistic choice. They could probably hold those numbers down a little bit if they were willing to give up some more stuff on the ground and expose themselves to big plays through the air a bit more. But they're not doing that. They're giving up lots of high percentage throws for short to intermediate gains. And it just so happens that the the schedule the rest of the way is the four best passing teams in the Big Ten. So they're going to continue to give up a lot of numbers through the air. The question is going to be, do they can they continue holding opponents to very little production on the ground? Can they continue holding down big plays? Continue keeping opponents out of the end zone and forcing field goals. I will say that I feel pretty good about this game in that regard. Purdue is not the greatest red zone team, at least in kind of my anecdotal recollection. Then maybe the stats don't bear that out. Yeah, but if you throw it more than twenty yards, you don't need to get the red zone. Right. Which is why Michigan State doesn't let you throw it more than twenty <laughs> yards, and I also do like David the Bell might force the issue. He, that's not been the player that he is, though. I, you know why he had that bananas game against Iowa? Because he took the routes that were open between the underneath zones and the, the zones over the top. That's not good. It's, it's I'm not like he's a great player. He's probably going to have a huge game. I'm playing him in JMC. You should too, because he's going to get a ton of catches. But I think they hold him to a reasonable per catch average. I think they're going to do everything they can, as they have all year, to keep the action in front of them and force Purdue to prove they can convert in the red zone. Maybe they do, and if that's the case, you rely on your offense to score. I think Andrew's hedging with his inner Matt Jones by predicting Purdue 35, Michigan Stater 17. Purdueer 35, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wonder what happened to him. I wonder where he went. What a character. You talk, talk about the great figures in OTE history. I don't know how your compendium doesn't include the, the coiner of the phrase Duke of Touchdowns for a player who ended up finishing his career at LSU. Um, gosh, that takes me back. That takes me back. Um, but it will be interesting. Um, it's <laughs> The Duke of Touchdowns? This, uh, did, he, did he play for the Lions? 
No, David point. Blau is the current backup ah, for the Lions. Atwing yeah, was with the Patriots for a okay, minute. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know if he's still he got in, yeah, an NFL roster spot. I don't know if he's still in the league or not. Um, so, as far as the offense goes, it, it's probably a good spot to face Purdue because you just dealt with a defense that had Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. So, you know, Karloftis is very good. If you want to equate him to Hutchinson, okay, fine. They don't have an Ojabo on the other side. Uh, Purdue's defense has been very good so far, but they have shown some tendencies to grind down a little bit. Michigan State in their bigger games has been a fourth quarter team. Even if they're able to contain Walker early, I am hopeful that by the end of the game, he's able to break a couple long runs and kind of put the game away. Um, I feel okay about them winning, but they could lose any of the games left on their schedule, which I've been, I feel like I've been saying for about a month now. It's still true. I mean, again, they're not blowing teams out. They've now got... Three of their wins in conference themselves are by one score or less. Off the top of my head, there could be even one more. So, Indiana, Nebraska, and Michigan were all one-score games. You're telling me that they are the anti-Nebraska. Kind of, yeah, but I don't know that there's anything especially fluky or unsustainable about it. Um, So, should be a good game. It's an afternoon game. ABC, I think. Does that mean we get Passion Dvorak, or are they Fox guys? I can't remember. No, they're ESPN. So maybe, ooh, we might get the best, I mean, in my view, the best booth in the business right now. Which um, is? Passion Dvorak. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Purdue certainly has the stars to keep this game close. Rosse, it continues to be weird to say that Purdue has to count on their defense because their offense has been a bit of a liability. Yeah. Continues to be weird to say that. Yeah. I think we had, so like I said, like I said, I, I think we have a big advantage with our defensive line against their offensive line. We'll see how it goes with them throwing the ball. They're going to convert a lot of passes. The, the question is just, do we keep them out of the end zone? And if we do, we're going to win. If they score touchdowns instead of field goals, then we'll have a problem. I think that's really about all there is to say. Um, elsewhere in the afternoon slate, Penn State at Maryland. On paper, I might like this as a little bit of a letdown spot for the Nittany Lions because Ohio State is usually a very high-effort game for there as well. Again, you talk about another team with a potential letdown, but this is after a loss. Maryland coming off a win themselves. Maybe they feel that Penn State is gettable, having expended a lot of energy the last few games. To but put in my mildly. opinion, the Penn State secondary is too good. Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit of a return to the reality here, which is that Maryland is short their two best receivers. And Carrier had a really good game for them against Indiana last week, but Penn State's healthy on defense. Their front is as good, if not better, than Indiana. They're not only short their top two receivers, but they can't run the ball, and Penn State's not going to have to cheat on it. Right, and and, Miss, and you know, Maryland's defense is not going to intimidate anybody on Penn State's offense like if there's this is really the last opportunity the Nittany Lions have to figure out if they're going to run the ball at all this season because the rest of the I mean as we mentioned they have Michigan Michigan State and Rutgers which is not much of a threat to beat Penn State but will prevent them from running the ball so SP plus says Maryland's defense has dropped below Illinois to the worst in the Big Ten so Another thing I might consider here is, do I want Jahan Dotson? But if I pick him, Parker Washington will have 12 catches and 300 yards. Or it'll be the game where they run the ball. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Like I said, I've, I've now taken the, I'm at a point 
you know, in I'm at a position in the league where I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm just turning this withering hand to Michigan State's opponents. If you're not, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play somebody. Jareth Stearns. I don't know what you're doing. Well, I did last week, and he didn't really do much. Um, I've been consistently playing him, but apparently everyone else is. So I gotta shoot for the moon and try try somebody else. And so what I'm gonna do now is turn my touch of death here to Michigan State's opponents and play at least one of their players each of these weeks. Sorry to do it to you, Ohio State. You're not going to the playoff because I'm playing C.J. Stroud when he goes against the Spartans. So, anyway. <laughs> I've got um, just a deep sense of foreboding and doom for the Terps. They, <coughs> it, it's really Rutgers is the season for them right now. Yeah, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why you should have that feeling of foreboding, which is that Maryland fans are probably feeling a little bit of confidence about their team right now. <laughs> They're coming off a win over a division opponent. One and game. Penn State is coming to town. Penn State's coming to town. Penn State's coming off a, of a, off a couple of bad losses, painful losses. Oh, but it's, not, but it's not Friday the 13th. Wait, is that Friday the 13th or Halloween? I never know which one. I think that's Halloween that you're doing. Ah, uh, okay. There. But point the point carries over. This is also yeah. not a Friday night game. No, even it's even though it's Maryland, they're not making them play it on Friday. So that, that would be the only missing factor there is that, oh boy, if Penn State's coming and it's a Friday, sell the tickets if you're a Maryland fan. Don't go to this game. Uh, Ten-point line for Penn State as the visitors there. I think I probably like them to cover that number. Maryland's defense has been bad most of the year. We'll see how Penn State looks. Again, Clifford's health is going to be an X factor for them all year, but he came through the Ohio State game okay. I mean, he, again, obviously in discomfort and playing football games is not going to help those ribs heal themselves, but he looked good enough to continue playing. So, Wisconsin at Rutgers. Um, this is a game where I basically said that Rutgers is essentially Illinois with a better defense and better quarterbacks. Look at how Wisconsin-Illinois went and take the under. Now, of course... What 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 you saw from Rutgers' opponent last week was, you know, in Illinois was what you saw from my pumpkin, which I I haven't carved pumpkins in a long time, like more than half my life. <laughs> Let me okay. preface this by saying so, it's been a long time. <laughs> I forgot kind of when you're supposed to carve them, and I carved them a full week in advance. Well, okay, so that's not too unreasonable. It wasn't, except that my pumpkin design was the Thin Lizzy logo. Oh, goodness. Uh, That's which, a lot of little... Yeah. And I actually okay, did a yeah. pretty good job of it. I really mm. executed it. It looked really sharp, and it was some shit that absolutely rocked ass in the 70s, okay? <laughs> just like what Illinois did to Penn State, man. It's some shit that just rocked ass, severely underrated in the 70s. <laughs> Jailbreak every which way. And, and kind of the same thing looked pretty... <laughs> Pretty withered a week later um, <laughs> against Rutgers with just, just a little bit of age, a little bit of rot. It partially depends on how ripe the pumpkin is when you get it. Most of the ones you'll see for sale at grocery stores or whatever are entirely orange by the time you get them. If you go to a pumpkin patch or a cider mill or whatever and you get ones that still have some green on the top and bottom, then you can carve them a little bit earlier. Because but I think that the design out. that I did was still, I mean, because Leah's pumpkin didn't have this problem. I think yeah. the design that I did really didn't survive. I mean, and I also should have scraped away more of the wall, too, to make it so that it wasn't quite as heavy when I had little floating pieces. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. Well. But, so. uh, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be in the film room. We'll get that in practice. We're, we're going we're gonna to get that figured. We as coaches have to figure this out. Ron, Thanksgiving. 
what was the point we were making with that? <laughs> the point we were making was that this game is going to be a lot like Wisconsin. It's going to be a mix of Wisconsin, Illinois, and Illinutgers, which oh, is dear. to say, yeah, all right, um, it's not going to go as well together as peanut butter whiskey and red ale. I have no notion of how Rutgers moves the ball against this defense. Uh, I could see Rutgers' own run defense plugging up Wisconsin's run game for a while, and maybe it's a thing where even if Rutgers doesn't move the ball that well themselves, they get some hero punts from Corsac, and they get Wisconsin really long fields, and the Badgers, you know, struggle to convert a couple third and mediums against Rutgers by running the ball because the Scarlet Knights are selling out to stop that. Maybe maybe Rutgers' defense is good enough to force Graham Mertz to make a few plays to break the game open. And because of that, it stays close for longer. I mean, seriously, how many pass attempts in this game combined? 20? <laughs> well, look. In the, the, the one, over under is 37 and a half. Yeah, that's, um, that is one more than the over under from Wisconsin, Iowa. Jeez. Um, again, these are, these are football teams now. Of course. Is I mean, Wisconsin the most Big Ten team now? Could be. I mean, I mean, hmm. I don't know. I still think Iowa is because their offense is worse. True. Yeah. Rutgers, Rutgers is pretty <coughs> Big Ten. Rutgers and Northwestern, pretty similar profiles. I think to be to be the most Big Ten, you want to be at least a little bit good at running the football, though. Don't yeah, you? That, that is like, true. I understand that most offense is anathema to the notion of Big Tenness, but you do need to be able to get into range for your field goal kicker. Absolutely. Now, you ask how they move the ball now. In the one passing attempt, passing play where he was targeted, what I saw from uh, Johnny Langan was that he makes uh, Jahan Dotson look like Sean Clifford on that rollout, <laughs> no, on that reverse pass, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so I don't know, man. You know, maybe he's just maybe he's the next uh, Muhammad Sanu for you guys. I don't know. <laughs> apparently, something. apparently that's what we're dealing with now. Yeah. Like, watch him not have another catch for the rest of the season. Speaking of what we're dealing with now, we'll move on to the night slate. And again, the schools are no longer at fault for this, nor are the conferences. The networks are calling all the shots. And they decided, after what we saw last week, that we need to put Indiana at Michigan in the night slot. So there's an interesting... Prime time! <laughs> Indiana at Michigan! Well, you're not going to hear Gus Johnson because it's he's in bed by 7.30, I think, most days. An interesting motivational imbalance here, though, isn't it? What does the big hole crowd look and sound like after last week's spear to the heart? That's one thing. And then in terms of, we've mentioned this in the recap of the, of Michigan, Michigan State. How does Michigan proceed from an offensive philosophy standpoint? Because they still got a lot of stuff on the table, but to beat either Penn State or certainly Ohio State, they need to maximize their offense's potential because their defense is going to have some problems. That's plain against good offenses. Do they put away this J.J. McCarthy flirtation and let McNamara play with a full normal game script now that he's proven he can do it? Or is it back to business as usual? Do they run the ball three quarters of the time, throw 18 total passes, win by whatever margin, and... Are they content with that, knowing that we've seen what it takes against a good opponent, which is we have to be able to throw the ball, because you know Penn State and Ohio State are probably still going to come in this game thinking, well, we stop Michigan's run game first and second, and we make them uncomfortable at least. Now, Jim Harbaugh defied my expectations for a lot of the season, but I kind of feel like he's 
gonna retract his neck back inside that shell. You almost slipped into Iowa more. Oh, well, because, of course, Michigan is Iowa. Well, I mean, you know, it's just my little turtle voice. I don't really want to come back out with I guess if I got to extend my neck, I will, but I really just have to be really little bit here. The way you see the physical things you're doing are going to be lost, but I think people will be able to piece it together from your inflection. So, from the Hoosiers' perspective, you've got six losses. you got to win this game. It will be interesting to see over the course of the week, is either Penix or Tuttle healthy enough to play? And if they are, do you view whatever percentage they're at as being better than a healthy but still very raw Donovan McCulley? There's a big picture argument here in that you're better served long term by giving McCulley an experience in this kind of environment and seeing how he does. But again, if, if you're going to play either of the guys who were, if you're able to play either of the guys who were in front of McCulley on the death chart, I have to think that that's probably the move because you probably still want to try to get to a bowl game if you can. You know, yeah. The thing is, though, I, again, like, Penix is definitely the, De- Penix is definitely the guy if he's available, but at the same time, um, Indiana could also throw caution to the wind because you often underestimate the effect that a change of quarterback can have on a college team. And I'm not saying does, but can. You get a quarterback that just has some. You see some college players that just have this ability to get people to believe in them. Yeah, the it factor. Yeah, Isaiah Williams had that. I really wish that he'd been taller and had a better, better arm <laughs> and, and been better at throwing a ball. But I mean, <laughs> hey, he fought like hell to get that conversion in in, in the ninth overtime. But that's just my reference point of a guy that. You know, gets in there and maybe some guys start to believe in themselves that that yeah. lost faith over the course of the season, and that kind of thing can really have a big factor in college. And I would say if it's the choice between him and Penix, you probably still go with Penix. Yeah. But it's not exactly even with Tuttle having been around the program a couple of years. What's the guy shown on the field to prove that he deserves a chance over a higher ceiling freshman? So that'll be an interesting call. I don't know that this is going to be an especially interesting game. Uh, Michigan is favored here by 19 and a half, which is the biggest line we've seen. And that includes Ohio State playing against the three-win team. So, you know, take that for what you will. Finally, the best damn three-win team in the nation is a pretty reasonable thing to say, except they have a loss to three and six Illinois. Oh, no. <laughs> so you get, right. They lose the head-to-head, so they're not the best three-win team in the nation. <laughs> So, to wrap up the conference slate, also in the evening, another double-digit line as the Hawkeyes travel to Ryan Field. Boy, this is going to be hideous to watch. Mr. Field might be a little less than welcoming of the Hawkeyes. Well, you know, I don't know how excited the the Iowa fans are at this point, but, you know, if more than 5,000 get in there, you try to show up there, then... You certainly won't see any of them until the start of the second quarter because they're going to have one metal detector up and running. <laughs> oh, that's that assuming they, that's assuming they haven't cut back as the season's gone on and their budget situation becomes clearer. Oh, it's almost time for Northwestern basketball. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're thrilled to to switch over the seasons in Evanston given what they've shown on the hard court the last couple of years. Okay, I got to take my shots when I can. They're going to ruin my Thanksgiving weekend again. Yeah, no question. So you you think that 
there is still a chance Northwestern's going to get their act together by the time they play Illinois. I understand why you think that, but based on the empirical evidence we've seen this year, that does not seem to be very likely. Well, and if and, and if there's a if there's a, an opponent left on the schedule where Iowa can get their act together and at least figure out how to run the ball, boy, it's got to be Northwestern. Yes, but at the same time, couldn't you just see this dick trip coming? You say dick trip, you mean what, the money line or just Iowa not covering the 12? Iowa straight up losing. Um, Not for any particular rational football reason, but just because it seems stupid enough to happen and well, it's let's, November Northwestern at home against Iowa. So to get to 8-4, and four, Iowa's got to split their remaining schedule, which is this game at Northwestern. Minnesota and Illinois at home, and then at Nebraska. So if they lose this game, uh, you know what? They could win and lose any combination of those four. Couldn't Absolutely. They? With I this, mean, with this offense, I mentioned the X factor for Illinois, the uh, the the element of surprise. Um, of course, for Nebraska, the thing is, you usually assume they're going to lose the game by between between two and six points. However, however. If they've made up their mind to fire Scott Frost, then they probably win. Because that is tradition. <laughs> Get fired, beat Iowa. Yeah, would only be would So only that's be. the that's the thing. There's <coughs> all kinds of factors as to why they could they could they could they're going to go two and two. It's anybody's guess which games they're gonna win and lose. Yeah. Alright, so that brings us to the conclusion of the conference slate again. They're in theory good enough that they should go. No worse than three and one, but they're gonna go two and two. The question is, how? Yeah. So we've got a full conference slate here of games that are uncompetitive on paper, except of course for the number five team in the country traveling to an unranked opponent, which is a three point line. And, and honestly, I can't argue with it. it. I think Michigan State wins and covers, but could see that being another one score game. So let's take a quick turn around the rest of the country for other games that might be of interest to you, the casual viewer. I would normally say Oregon-Washington, but the Huskies have fallen off pretty dramatically. They've rebounded a little bit from where they were, for example, when Michigan played them because they actually have receivers now. Um, The Ducks have been living pretty dangerously all season, last week's result notwithstanding. In addition to dropping the game to Stanford, they've played some clunkers against the likes of Cal, for example. So Washington's defense still has the talent. You could see that being a close game. That said, if you're going to look outside the conference, watch the ACC. No, watch the ACC. Said, yeah. Wake, Wake Forest. Wake Forest, North Carolina. UNC. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That was going to be – I have Josh Downs. First one to 60. Yeah. So um, predicted ACC shootouts <laughs> have not disappointed. It's Division One football. It's the Big 12. Basically what they are now. In terms of other games that will be pumped up by the national perspective, Auburn, Texas A&M, I guess. Um, I keep me. I always mean to check before I get to this. Where is game day going to be this week? So why don't I look that up right now? Because I'm curious. It's got to be Auburn, Texas A&M, isn't it? I... Oh, hold on. College game day makes history with Week Ten destination. Cincinnati for Tulsa. Yep. Good for them. Although I will say. That if Texas El Paso hadn't got pecked by Florida Atlantic last week, they would have had undefeated 8-0 Texas Antonio 
going to UTEP, which would have been a one-loss team, that would have been the obvious choice. Back when game day used to be fun, they'll never go there. Yeah. But they could. But again, I understand it was off the table after UTEP couldn't carry their version of the deal. Uh, SMU Memphis, where even after the loss, SMU is still dramatically better than the current iteration of the Tigers. But even post Norvell, the Tigers are usually still pretty fun to but watch. They're getting a quarterback back this week, which yeah. should yeah. do an awful lot for this one. Yep. Um, uh, Tuesday night, Maction makes its triumphant return. Emu at Toledo. Balls at Akron. Miami at Ohio. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Your source for big and call gets off tackle.